Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Thunderstruck, our look back at the greatest matches of one Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, as picked by each unique standalone guest of this series. Uh, my name is WH Park. I do the Post Perez uh, podcast over at postwrestling.com with John Pollock. But this particular podcast series uh, features people from all across the wrestling world of podcasting and bowling organize- bowling tournaments and such. And, and to- joining me today, very special guest, I'm very excited to speak to one Sarah Flan, uh, co-host of the Two Sarahs podcast over at Voices of Re- VoicesOfWrestling.com. And of course, she is actually... Uh, a bowling tournament organizer extraordinaire, uh, Sarah Flynn. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. That's that's a great intro. I think that's what we're known for now is organizing bowling tournaments rather than our podcasting. So, so you you are part one half of the two Sarahs. Who who would be the other Sarah? That would be Sarah Four L or Sarah Classic, as you know her. Um, yeah. And I think she kind of takes the lead on that one uh, for the bowling tournaments and stuff. And I just, because I am a bowler myself, I just kind of slot in there as kind of the the known bowler of the group. And I, I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, Sarah Farrell in person, along with uh, her life partner, Alan Farrell, uh, this past uh, summer in uh, in Osaka. We all went attended uh, Dominion together. And uh, they, you do know, Sarah, I mentioned this off air they uh, they get, they gifted me some Tatos from Ireland, and they said, "WH, you are now an honorary Irishman." I'm like, "Whoa, that's the greatest honor ever bestowed upon me." And and like they gave you the good Chris, the Tato ones are are the elite ones in Ireland. So I think that mantle is correct that you now have them that you are an honorary Irishman. So good going. <laughs> I and I have to say those Tatos, they were very very good. So uh, I hope next time I meet someone from Ireland if they're coming to Japan or if I ever go over there, I'm going to load up on the Tatos or the people will bring some for me next time. We'll see. Maybe maybe yourself, maybe our mutual friend Jamesy. We'll see what happens, right? Yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll get you covered on the Tato front. Don't worry. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Uh, before we get into the match you picked for uh, Thunderstruck, I want to ask you about your history as a fan of professional wrestling, as a fan of Japanese professional wrestling, and particularly as a fan of Jushin Thunder Liger, Sarah. Yeah, so I've been a wrestling fan. It's actually come up on the 20 year mark now. Um, I started watching in 99. I was very, very young. I have two older brothers who, um, started rewatching wrestling again in the attitude era, I suppose. Um, so they would watch Raw every single week. And I suppose my parents just kind of let me watch it with them. Um, so that's kind of where I started. Um, and then I suppose I just really watched, you know, the mainstream WWE for, a lot of my younger years. And then I suppose with the rise of the internet, um, so it was around 2007, 2008, is when I kind of started discovering more wrestling. Um, and I started watching Japanese wrestling in a kind of a really weird way. It wasn't kind of the norm. Um, I actually started watching because of TNA's relationship with New Japan and the Motor City Machine Guns. So my first like furrow into Japanese wrestling was actually like Wrestle Kingdom 3 um, with No Limit against the Motor City Machine Guns. So that's kind of the first match that I go to. It's a, it's a really weird one when I tell people, but that's actually really how it started. And then from there, it just blossomed into me kind of looking back and doing lots of research. And I'm a big fan of actually just going back and kind of watching stuff from the beginning. Um, 
I it's kind of what I tend to do. I actually watch a lot of older wrestling. So once I found out about like, you know, the Super J Cup from 94, you know, I have that on DVD. I've watched that so many times. I think the DVD is on its last legs. So that's kind of how it really started for me. I kind of got into it in a weird way. And, um, you know, I'm too young for tape trading and kind of too old to just, you know, have everything at my disposal on um, on demand services. I was kind of in the middle. No, that's actually a great story. Like, so I take it you, so you're saying, you know, is uh, Alex Shelley, Chris Saban taking on uh, our one of my favorite wrestlers, Yujiro Takahashi. No, just kidding. <laughs> but of of course, like I would assume then that you are uh, maybe a Tetsuya Naito fan. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think I'm one of the big vocal supporters of his on on social media, but I, I do love myself a little bit of Tetsuya Naito for sure. And how, how about Liger? When, what would you say was your first exposure to uh, Jushin Thunder Liger? You know, I actually think it probably was just in one of those random multi-six-man tag matches. Um, I obviously kind of heard about Liger, you know, hearing about him being in even WCW, um, his time in there. And then I suppose just seeing him for the first time, you know, I think just looking at him, you know, he's just this big enigmatic character that you just need to go learn more about him. And I obviously, I went and looked him up to kind of see, okay, this guy is literally the most important man in Japanese wrestling and, and nearly wrestling as a whole. So um, I think then my first stop was going back to the Super J Cup 94. Um, Because you hear that Meltzer says it's like the best event of all time. Um, so that's probably where I first started really watching his older stuff and realising just how good he is. Yeah, that's amazing. So you actually picked a very kind of interesting match uh, with regards to uh, what out of like the entirety of Liger's career. Uh, tell us, which match are we going to talk about today, Sarah? So we're going to be talking about uh, Jushin Tanner Liger against Tyler Breeze from NXT TakeOver 6 uh, from Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, then the date on this is August 22nd, 2015. And Sarah, why did you pick this particular match? I think I picked this one because I feel like it's the match in Liger's list. If someone's to go back in 10 years and look at his career, it's kind of one that sticks out purely because it's his only match he ever really wrestled in WWE. Well, it is the only match he wrestled in WWE. And the opponent he's against, Tyler Breeze, um, I think we can say at this point he isn't going to go on to be this well-known name. And it's something that came later in his career. Um, and I just think it's a really interesting match to look at because it's one that, yeah, it just really sticks out in my head as being so different. I I have to agree. Like when I remember when this match was announced that, OK, they're going to have the, uh, the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Uh, and, you know, they had what we think what the main event is like. Like the two main events are like Sasha Sasha Banks versus Bailey, and I think uh, Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor. And then they announced this match, and I'm like, wait, wait, isn't Liger a contracted New Japan guy? And New Japan does not have a relationship with uh, the WWE. In fact, they have a relationship with Ring of Honor at that time. So it was really strange. But then you find out things like, well, he has kind of a unique contract with New Japan that he can do like what he wants essentially. And obviously, New Japan. Gave their blessing. They're like, yeah, go ahead, do this match. But it's it's interesting that the WWE offered 
him to come on come on one of their big shows. Obviously, not not necessarily pay per view, but for NXT, it's like their version of a pay per view. It's you know, it's a big showcase, and they're talking about Liger during this match, like you know, his history as being you know an IWGP champion, which I found really surreal to listen to. Yeah, like you're kind of listening back, and it's like nearly like Bizarro World, and um, I suppose because you do, you just don't see this happen. And I think it's a testament to how special Liger is that they would kind of make, you know, this deal with him that, you know, you come in on our show um, and they did treat him like a big deal. He isn't just this guy coming in. And, you know, in the past, WWE would kind of, you know, he was just a champion in loads of different parts of the world and not even mention specifics, but, you know, going into detail of all that he's done and, and, you know, what he's created. And it was just very, very special. Um, I think the the worst thing is though that he couldn't come out to his actual entrance music. I think that's one of the big things, and you're like, oh, I, I, yeah, it's it's you know it's very WWE. Like he comes out to very uh, generic WWE music. I think they tried their best. To, to be fair to the WWE production staff, they they did their best to try to you know find something that would equal his signature theme that he uses in Japan. But it, it, nothing can match. That classic theme, unfortunately. But uh, Sarah, let's get into this uh, this match. So uh, first out, uh, first of all, this match opens the show. Uh, so we see this kind of elaborate entrance from all these models coming out on the the entrance ramp. They're they're you know they're all wearing costumes, New York City themed costumes. Like one's dressed like a taxi driver, one's dressed like I think the Empire State Building, and one is dressed like the Statue of Liberty. Uh, first out is Tyler Breeze, and of course he does this like supermodel gimmick. And he's posing with each of the models. And he's, I, I always find this funny when people do this kind of gimmick where they're built from different places depending on the season. So he's, he's built from being from Cairo, Egypt. Uh, I think that's his summer residence, apparently. Oh, yeah. That, I think I always remember this is actually, this match took place in the time when NXT was, I watched that every single week. And Tyler Breeze was one of those characters that I really not identified with, but. I was like, this guy is going to be really good because he has this elaborate character, but he also has the, I suppose, the ring prowess to match. And it used to always change his summer seasonality, his winter seasonality, and even his outfits accordingly, uh, depending on where he is from. And I think him having this big entrance at the time really showed just how much faith they had in him and um, to let him go out and do this elaborate setup. Um, it's definitely something that they wouldn't do now. And he really, really stood out, I think, for this reason. I think, like, if you look at the, the early days of NXT, like, Tyler Breeze is one of those characters that you thought, okay, he's going to make it big in the NXT brand. And, like, he's he's one of the signature performers on there. But I had my doubts, and obviously they came true, like, that, that he would make it dent in the, like the main roster of the WBN. Unfortunately, he did not. Uh, but I thought a unique gimmick. I, I have to say, I like the supermodel idea. I don't like the execution of his gear. I like all the, the, the weird piping he has around his, around his boots. And, and kind of like, he always had this like fur lined stuff, which I wasn't a big fan of. I thought it looked a little bit too ridiculous. And I don't really see any models really sporting that stuff. But I'm of a certain age, Sarah. So maybe it's more for the younger people. <laughs> oh, I, I like the fur. I think because it was so over the top that I was like, no, this is actually really fitting. Um, and the fur, the fur around the uh, the selfie stick, which is 
definitely something that uh, is of the time. I don't think you really see many selfie sticks now and in 2019, um, but it was definitely a big thing back then. And I just think it's really funny them talking about how he's appearing on Facebook Live. You know, that's that that's there for the first time. And it kind of really shows this match is only four years old, but uh, things have kind of moved on from then. They definitely have. So let's get into the match. So, so uh, Corey, uh, sorry, Tyler Breeze comes out. Liger comes out second. Uh, our commentators are Corey Graves, uh, Rich Brennan, whatever happened to that guy, and uh, Byron Saxton. And one thing I really noted here, Sarah, is that these three are just gushing, absolutely gushing over the idea that Jushin Thunder Liger is wrestling in front of them on a WWE uh, like main show. Oh yeah, you can. It's such a treat, and it's so. It's something they probably never even imagined, I suppose, that they would get to be part of, I suppose, this brand, this developmental brand. And Tyler uh, Tyler Breeze, of all people, is wrestling Liger. Um, I don't think anyone ever would have expected it. So I think them not even being able to hide their feelings towards this and, you know, they get to watch Liger come out and he is like, it's just Liger, you know, I don't think I'd be able to commentate in a match by, like with him in it because I would just be so taken away. He has that aura and that presence about him, and yeah, they are. You can't they can't hide it. And just even them talking about his accomplishments and what he's done, and um, just in the opening kind of few minutes of the match, um, I think they're probably really jealous that they're not the ones wrestling him. I think they're a perfect like symbol of kind of like the audience as well at this time because this audience knows who Liger is this audience is excited to be able to see Jason Liger on a WWE show that they're attending and and they're attending you know like they don't have to go to Japan to watch him they don't have to watch him in like a smaller arena like for most for the most part like a lot of Liger's appearances in the United States has been on ROH shows so they're used to seeing him rec centers or like maybe hockey arenas that hold like 2,000 people. We're, we're talking about the Barclay Center. I don't know the exact, you know, attendance numbers for this place, but it's a massive state, like, arena for, for Liger to wrestle in. He's used to it, of course, in Japan, but when he comes to the United States, he's used to wrestling really smaller, intimate venues, which I'm sure he enjoys, but this must be a treat for him because I, I'm sure it was on a bucket list of his that I want to wrestle at least once in the WWE, and he, he got to do it on his terms, which is amazing in of itself, if, if we think about that. Yeah, like how important must you be just to be like, actually, you know what? I want to wrestle in WWE and he just gets to go and do it. And that's it. He doesn't have to do anything else. He has his one match and he's like, check, I'm done now. And and that's it. And like you said, I think this crowd, like this crowd was actually great. Um, I think, you know, that that Barclays Center crowd, the Brooklyn crowd were always very receptive and they are knowledgeable but not to their detriment. It's actually, it really, really helps. And, you know, they react for all, we'll get into it, but all the kind of important Liger spots and the, and the well-known um, Liger moves, they react for every single one of them. Yeah, so with the match starts with uh, uh, Tyler Breeze, he knocks Liger down with a shoulder tackle, and then he does his uh, signature pose on the turnbuckle to some boos from the crowd. Uh, Liger comes back, he does a drop to hold and an elbow drop to the back of Tyler Breeze, and then he poses on the turnbuckle to a rousing chorus of cheers. So people are well, well into this match very early on, Sarah. Yeah, I think Liger doing that pose, I'm pretty sure that was people's header images and, you know, their profile pictures for a very long time after that, because it's just, he, he can get away with that, can't he? He can just be that cheeky veteran 
that just gets one up on Tyler from his from his um signature pose. Um and then I think a bit later on he takes his selfie stick and and uh poses with that as well. So really, really kinda of getting under the skin of Tyler Breeze in this match. Yeah, well from this point, like he does uh he does get fired up, Tyler Breeze that is, and he goes after Liger, but uh he gets caught and taken down, and then Liger applies a modified surfboard, one of his signature moves that you mentioned, Sarah. And the first of his many signature signature moves that we will see in this match too. Again, every time he does something that people recognize, they go crazy for it. They pop big for, for Ligers. Uh, I think they're just like, wow, we get to see like, a surfboard here. Oh, my God. I've, I've never thought I'd see that live in a WWE ring. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing. This match, that's all it kind of had to be was just the, the greatest hits from Liger. Like, if he went out there and literally did surfboard, shote, Liger bomb, you know, and then it's like a somersault and his and his rolling kick. That's it. That's all they need to see. And but he he crafted to he put together a really really good match here though, even with integrating all of his special moves. Yeah, for sure. From here, uh, Liger dodges another uh, breeze attack and then applies the Romero special, which you mentioned, to another big response. This is like even a you know a. Bigger move for the fans. The the Romero special is so synonymous with uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, uh, one of the stories from this match, Sarah, is how familiar the fans are to Liger and his moves, and how much they're into watching him. They're they're playing along, kind of so to speak. They they watch him do these moves, and they're like, okay, this is where we respond, and it's a it's a natural organic response as well at the same time. Yeah, like I think if this match took place in you know a different city we probably wouldn't have seen the same thing. And especially, I suppose, this is over a big WWE weekend. I think it would have been SummerSlam that would be the night after. So these people have travelled out to see this. And, yeah, if this took place on just a random, maybe like even in full sale where they just react to everything, it wouldn't have felt as special as it does. Definitely. From here, uh, Jushin Liger hits a monkey flip to the corner and then poses with uh, Tyler Breeze's selfie stick, uh, much to the chagrin of one Tyler Breeze, and but much to the delight of the Barclays Center crowd. Uh, from here, Breeze blocks a back body drop by going after Liger's mask and then hits him with a supermodel kick for a big two count. He, he better be careful, Sarah. If he, if he goes after the mask, we might see Kishin Liger show up in here in the Barclays Center. Oh, I'm, I'm just imagining what that would have been like. I think the crowd just probably would have gone... Blown the roof off the place, but I don't think Tyler Breeze is really deserving of seeing Kishan Liger. Maybe not, but that would that would have been something. Can you imagine Twitter if like he busted out like this is a special thing? Kishan Liger is a special thing for Jushin Liger. He doesn't do it that often, but can you imagine Twitter if like Jushin Liger busted out Kishan Liger for Tyler Breeze on a WWE show? It, there would be a meltdown for sure on on wrestling Twitter for sure. I love to see. I love to watch the world burn. So I kind of probably would have liked it. <laughs> oh, I would have loved it. I would have. I would have been just like laughing, lol, to all these people like tweeting about it. Why you can't put on a WWE show? I, Tyler Breeze doesn't deserve that. LOL, LOL. That, that's what, that would have been me. But uh, from here, we have an extended uh, control segment from Tyler Breeze until Liger is able to throw off, uh, throw him off, and hit a capo kick and a tilt to world backbreaker. More. Signature spots from Jushin Liger. Uh, from here, a top rope splash is blocked by Tyler Breeze raising his knees. Uh, 
uh, Breeze hits a crucifix bomb for a big two count on him. Uh, Breeze is visibly getting frustrated at not being able to put Liger away and steps up the aggression until Liger is able to hit a Shote palm strike, which sends Breeze to the outside, Sarah. So now we're getting to the, the good stuff where we might see Jushin Liger bust out his, uh, his high fly, high flying repertoire, which he, he doesn't do as much in, as a man in his fifties. No, and I think Tyler Breeze, him in this match, I think his role can be understated. He gave so much to Liger and sold so well for him. So him, Liger gearing up to do all these high-flying moves, it has such a great impact in the match because Breeze is just selling everything Liger's doing so well. And just I think he really, really just makes him look not that Liger needs to be made look like a million dollars but he makes Liger feel even that more important um so him Liger having to bust out the high flying moves kind of shows okay like Liger needs to do this to put Tyler Breeze away yeah I'm sure Tyler Breeze was like putting the match together and he was like what do you want to do I I just want to sell for you like I'm sure he's just happy to be able to have this kind of like you know, historic, historical moment in, in Jushin Liger's career and in his own career as well, obviously. Um, so Liger follows Tyler Breeze onto the apron and hits him with a rolling plancha to Breeze on the floor. Again, not something you see, you know, from Liger in the last, oh, I'd say, 10 years. He really cuts down on these types of maneuvers. But, you know, for this special occasion and for Tyler Breeze, he's, he's able to, like, will himself to jump off the apron to the floor. Good on Liger. Uh, for, then a second Shote is performed. And why don't we go from here, Sarah? Why don't you close out the rest of this mouth from the second Shote? Yeah, so after the second Shote, um, Tyler Breeze, um, he is rolling on the apron. Uh, Liger gets into position and he hits him with a running somersault plancha. And uh, then the crowd is just on their feet. And then Liger immediately throws Breeze back into the ring. And then he avoids a Liger bomb, but then he gets hit with another Shote. And then he gets him up for the third Liger bomb attempt. And one, two, three. Yes, in eight minutes and forty-two seconds. So one one of the shorter matches of Jushin Liger's career, but I I can't imagine that they were going to give these two that much time in the opener of this card, which was a rather loaded card, to be fair. So, um, it to me, I was very very surprised, Sarah, that you know that the WB let a New Japan guy, a legendary New Japan figure, beat one of their up and coming guys uh, on. WWE show in a WWE ring, but I, I guess it's really a testament to how much respect he commands from even people like Triple H and and I guess the hierarchy of the WWE. Yeah, I, I actually think at the time when this happened, I, I definitely watched this live. I just remember being like, "Oh come on, could you not get Tyler Breeze the win? Like they're pushing this guy; it would have been great." But um, I think me looking back now, I'm like, "Nah, they couldn't have had him win." No. It's just like you can't have like or lose. <laughs> No, like I, I'm pretty sure Liger went in there and said, "Okay, uh, how do you want me to put him over? What's your signature move? What, what am I going to sell for you?" And he's, they're like, "No, no, you're winning." He's probably like, "No, no, I don't want to win." He is like one of the most unselfish people in the history of wrestling, even at his peak of his popularity, of his like, you know, like physical prowess. He's still going out there putting people over, like, and that's all he is about now is getting the younger generation over. So I was really surprised that they put him over, and it definitely must have been their idea, the WV's idea, not Liger's, because I can't imagine that he went in there thinking, oh, I'm going to beat the WV guy in a WV ring on a 
WWE show. I think that's what makes him so special, right? How just how selflessly he is. Because I think at this stage, he could definitely be like, I'm not losing anymore. I need to keep my aura alive. I need to win, you know, these big important matches. And he doesn't. And I think that's what makes him so great and so important to the business that he knows that he's at the end of his career and he just wants to see the younger generation go on and succeed and, and become just as big as a name as he is. Definitely, definitely. So I thought overall a fun match, like like a sub-10-minute match for Liger, but still fun. I, I really think, though, for me, Sarah, that the key to the enjoyment of this match is the crowd. This crowd just absolutely loved uh, watching Jushin Liger. The, the, the commentators express that on their commentary i think they're speaking for the everyone in the barclay center when they're just gushing over liger on commentary especially Corey graves was so into calling this match so i i think it, it's it's a noteworthy match and i'm glad we're talking about it on thunderstruck sarah yeah definitely like i think like the reason why i picked it like i said at the start is it's just such an oddity in his career like when you look back at lists if you just go on and, and read every match he's been in it definitely sticks out um, and I think it's really, really important. Like, it's definitely not going to make the top 10, top 20 best Liger matches of all time. But I think it's very much so important for de- very different reasons than that. And I think it is something looking back, it is fun. And if you if this is someone's first time watching Liger, which it might have been for a lot of people, if they're just sitting home and they're just strictly WWE fans, it could have opened up a whole world for them to then for them to go back and, and watch Liger and, and see what he's done in the past. And, and even it might have introduced them to go and watching New Japan now. And they could they could be sitting at home listening to this podcast going, that's the match that got me into Liger. Oh, definitely, definitely. Could have been the gateway, the gateway drug, so to speak, into Jushin Liger, into the New Japan junior scene, into New Japan itself. Um, Sarah, as of this recording, we're, we're a couple of months away from the retirement of Jushin Liger. And I have to ask you, like, what are you hoping to see and what are you expecting to see in regards to like what his last match might be you know i was already thinking it was actually going to be suzuki but i suppose they're not they're, they're uh, just doing that at king of pro wrestling instead um which might have taken place already uh by the time you hear this um but i don't know now he's definitely just going to i think he's going to put over some junior wrestler and go out and just kind of Go off into the sunset, you know? Yeah. I really think that's the type of person that he is. And, like, he's going to have this big match with Suzuki, and that's going to kind of be the really kind of, you know, right, that's the big match of my career now. And then I think, yeah, he's just going to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, who would you want him to face, like, in, like, either the January 4th show or the the January 5th show? I I think his actual last singles match is going to be on the 5th. Um, I don't know what they're doing for his last match. That's going to be on the fifth, but they might. Maybe they'll do a tag on the fourth. But if you're gonna, if you were gonna book his last opponent in a singles match, who would you book? I'm just going to be really biased and say my f- current favorite junior wrestler, who I think can take over the mantle of being like the star of Japanese junior wrestling. And he's someone who hasn't wrestled in a, a year and a half. But like, I would just love it if it, somehow Hiromu Takahashi could be his last opponent. Because I actually think that would be a lot of fun. I don't think you're alone in this, like thinking that this 
you know, like this would that would be an appropriate thing for him to be the guy who has the last match with Liger. I do agree with you. I think he is the the next person to become the junior ace of the New Japan Junior Division. Um, I think they're saving like his return to New Japan. I you know, all the reports are like he's probably okay, and they're just waiting for the perfect time. And what would be the more like what would be a better headliner than like not obviously not going to main event either Wrestle Kingdom shows, but in the semi main, I can see like. Hiromu Takahashi returning, like, cause that's gonna generate so much buzz and, like, so much interest in seeing him again, uh, in, in a live setting, especially if they're gonna save it for the Tokyo Dome, and especially if they're gonna have it against Jushin Liger. Um, I'm thinking it's either Hiromu or maybe, quite possibly, it could be Will Ospreay. Yeah, Will Ospreay was kind of my second choice as well, because they obviously see a lot in him, and Ospreay kind of like Liger, you know, kind of, um, towing the line between junior and heavyweight um, and his, and just his style as well. You can kind of see how much the office really values Will Ospreay. Um, and I think Will Ospreay is someone that would also value being put into that position. And you know that Ospreay wouldn't let you down um, in that match. Oh, no, he would probably give Liger the best possible match. Like from a pure work rate point of view, if that was the last one, and that you, I can see totally see Will Osprey saying, "Can I have that? Can I have that last match? Can I be the, his opponent for that?" You can totally see. Do you want to face, you know, this guy or this guy, younger guys? And he's like, "No, no, I want to face Liger. If it's his last match, I want that. I want that." So he is so important to New Japan. Like I could conceivably f- see that they give the nod to to Osprey if it's not Hiromu Takahashi, then it's definitely going to be Will Osprey. Uh, like, cause he could do something on, on the fourth where it's like a big singles match for him there. And then he does the retirement match with Liger. And you know, he's going to kill himself to get Liger over in that match. Yeah. Will is kind of funny in that regard, isn't he? That he like, he doesn't have to do the things he does, but he does them anyway because he just loves it so much. Definitely. I think he has so much respect for, for Liger, like, like so many people in the professional wrestling business do. So I guess that wraps up, uh, the, uh, review portion of this show uh sarah we we mentioned earlier at at the top of the hour that at the top of the show that you are uh, a bowling tournament organizer tell us a bit about your your forays into organizing wrestling themed uh bowling tournaments during usually the big wxw uh, weekends yeah so it actually it all started back when we realized there is a bowling alley across the way from the the usual wxw venue in oberhausen and a few of us were like, why don't we just go bowling on like the Friday night as, you know, just like a fun activity and just, you know, get away from the wrestling. And so that's what we did. But then we realized a lot of people were interested and some wrestlers even came to us to be like, hey, like that sounds like a good idea. So like the first one, we had like 40 people. There was like a few people there from the WXW roster. Like we had Chris Brooks and, and Aussie Open and stuff. And I think from then we were like, this is actually a really good idea. And we kind of started, okay, let's just start promoting it now. The Oberhausen Open. And we put it out for 16 Carat Weekend just gone in March, um, which was our biggest one yet. And I swear the whole WXW roster showed up in that bowling alley. It was like nearly like 140 people, I think we had, and the whole bowling alley booked out. 
um, and even like the WXW office just really valued um, the experience. And because I think that's something that's really important for independent wrestling is just that connection between everyone. You know, everyone knows everyone, especially in the era of uh, social media. You know, people are just uh, a click of a button away from having a conversation. And they're just really, really fun weekends. And bowling is my pastime. It's something that I've done since I was a kid. And um, it's the same with wrestling. I've been bowling for 20 years and watching wrestling for 20 years. So bringing the two together has been very special for me. That's awesome. I I love seeing you know the the pictures during uh, when you're organizing these these bowling tournaments. I you know like when when Sarah and Alan were in uh, Osaka. You know after we watched Dominion, you know Sarah said, "Can we can we film you and uh, Monkey Buckles uh, picking names out for for the different teams for the the upcoming uh, bowling tournament that you're going to have like around." The, this past summer i forget which exactly which event it was coinciding with but i was like yeah sure okay so i'm like reading people saying i'm just praying i'm not gonna butcher any of these like you know like i'm not i'm not the best with even japanese names i've lived in japan for many years but like i am terrible with like some of like like you know even though i grew up in canada sarah like i'm terrible with some of these like european names so i was just like please don't let me butcher this name please don't let me butcher this name like some irish last names are a little difficult for me to pronounce. I have to be quite honest with you. No, I think that's fair. They're, I think they're difficult for most people outside of Ireland to pronounce. So I don't think anyone would ever judge you for that. I hope, I hope not. I hope not. If I butchered your name in that video, I apologize deeply. I really do. Sarah, where can people find more of you? I Please tell us your Twitter handle because I love your Twitter handle because you are so positive and you put out some funny tweets with regards to wrestling. <laughs> so you can follow me at Sarah Flan. That's Flan with two N's, so it's not like the dessert. Um, and then I suppose we're at the two Sarahs as well, and that would be our podcast Twitter. Yeah, that's and that's a, both are excellent follows. Uh, Sarah is a is a very bright spot in wrestling Twitter for me, at least. Uh, I'm one of the more negative people on wrestling Twitter, but that's just my gimmick, you know. But I I like I seek out the positivity as well as the uh, the 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 cynicism out there. So it's a nice balance having fo- following you, Sarah, and then following I don't know like other people. I'm not going to say who then. The negative people are besides <laughs> myself but thank you so much for for joining me on this show and i hope we can do something again in the future it was a really uh pleasure for me to talk with you about jushin liger versus tyler Breeze, sarah thank you very much for having me and um i'm gonna be very sad when liger retires me too me too but uh i i'm gonna not be sad if i can get out to oberhausen in, in, in the future to, to attend some WXW 16 Carat or World Tag Festival. And of course, maybe come to the bowling events as well, Sarah. Yes, definitely. Don't worry. We'll, we'll have a place for you. Oh, awesome. Yes. I, it pays to know people. All right. Well, on, on behalf of Sarah, I want to thank all the listeners for uh, sticking with us for uh, this review of Jushin Thunder Liger versus Tyler Breeze from NXT TakeOver from 2015. And until the next episode, I will say to everyone, goodbye and talk to you later. Bye.